welcome to the Beyond Darkness podcast created by Nana Hanfgaard Jensen and Nadja Maccioli, a knowledge sharing platform for artistic practice and artistic research. For more information about our work, visit bdmatterinmotion.com and for your questions and comments, you can contact us at bd.matterinmotion at gmail.com. Today we are at the Danske Scenekunstskole in Copenhagen, Denmark, together with Annika Kompart, who is a choreographer and performer and dancer. And we hope you enjoy this episode. So, hi everyone. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We are sitting here with Annika, mm-hmm. uh, Annika Kompat. <laughs> She is um, going to talk with us today a little bit about her practice and uh, why maybe her practice is interesting to Nana and I and the methodology <laughs> of Beyond Darkness. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for inviting. Good. So Annika. Um can you t- please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about your artistic practice? Yes. Well, I am a dancer. I could educate as dancer. I'm also a teacher. Um and now I'm on the same studies as you are at the National School of Performing Arts. In Denmark, um, and researching different methodologies, um, especially how to transform a book or spoken words into movements. Um, this is my focus in the moment, and how to reinvent Tanztheater. <laughs> yes, I think this is where I'm at right Ooh. now. <laughs> and could you maybe say a little bit more about what you? What you have um, figured out, or how you are using, like, just elaborate a little bit more about maybe the ways of getting there. Like, how did you start actually being interested in this subject? Mm-hmm. It started actually by moving to Denmark um, and hearing a new language, not understanding the language. But always hearing this, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I got interested in how my own language would sound if I wouldn't understand it. Mm. So I asked a musician to take away the words from Angela Merkel's New Year's speech um, to just hear the accents, and I did this because I. I had at the same time a workshop with Julian Hamilton where it was about rhythm and placement in time um, where we got guided to do an improvisation to always make a movement to an accent in the music. Mm. Um, so it was a, a nice frame for an improvisation because I I usually feel a little lost when someone says, okay, you can you have the whole sp- 
space, a stage to improvise. And then he was like, okay, where should I start? <laughs> um, but this actually just moving, always making a movement to an accent or a rhythm of the music gave the possibility to, to actually not fail mm -hmm. <laughs> because I had always had to do something and to have to react to the rhythm. Um, yeah, and then I just did it to, to Angela Merkel's New Year's speech, just listening to the rhythm and the accent rather than the melody mm -hmm. or th what the content was about. And I think it's rather interesting that the rhythm can show something else then the words or the content sometimes can and so i actually see also what dance can in tr when transforming it from something spoken words from a book into dance it can give another layer um to what is already there so i'm not interested in mirroring what is said mm -hmm. but giving in a body to language mm -hmm. um a feeling um something what is not said maybe yeah yeah can you maybe tell a little bit about the decision on uh, uh, why you chose angela merkel and her new and the new year's speeches <laughs> i was looking for something that is kind of general and known by or listened to by a lot of people uh, some people take it for granted well in the moment i mean we all listen to the politicians who are in corona to follow those um, rules and um, so i do think they have a lot of power mm -hmm. so i wanted to choose something or someone who had a lot of power um, to make it more general or approachable also to others i started actually with um some American speeches, I think, also. Yeah, and I danced also to the Russian speech and some, some different kinds of... Um, yeah, but I choose a politician because I wanted to approach different people who maybe usually would not see dance or mm. um, yeah, listen to it. And the New Year's speech, I found out that, well, in, in almost every country there's a New Year's speech. It's not in Sweden, actually. <laughs> this I also found out. Um, um, yeah, but that that just came <laughs> by by doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I was interested also if if there if you could realize that that the body actually has a mother tongue, mm -hmm. yeah. and therefore I then invited other artists to dance to Angela Merkel's New Year speech or their national speech. And I, I did found out that there is a difference because the breathing is much connected to your own language and therefore also the body tension is much more relaxed in, in your own mother language mm. than when dancing to others. It's, it's, it's a little difficult to measure when you, when you do also speak the other language. But if you really don't understand the, the foreign language, then... Um, there's a much higher tension in the body mm. and yeah. the muscles. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. Um, I, it would be nice to hear a bit more about that, maybe at a later stage. I think mm. we'll get that later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you um, mm. for that. And now we know a little bit more about you. Um, 
Now here's a question um, that we would like to ask kind of everybody, and we're very <laughs> curious to hear what people are saying as a response. So here it goes. Um, what is movement? Hmm. Movement is life. It's the opposite of death. It is something that is um, yeah, not standing still. It is continuous. Um, it is changing. Um, but I said, yeah, it is life because I mean, our life is It's not standing still. We cannot even stop it. We just cannot. <laughs> I mean, when we're dead, then yeah, we it, it stopped. But maybe it, it even continues if you believe in 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 a life after death, mm -hmm. because also our body still transforms after yeah. death. So okay, maybe it doesn't stop. Um, so it also continues after. So it's I think. But sometimes you. When when someone you, you loved died, for example, then you can have a strong sense of there must be stop, because it must feel like everything has to stand still now, mm. because this kind of change that just happened is so strong, or yeah. So and then you're a little. Why is still um, it's still moving, or uh, the buses are still driving, uh, the people are still going outside like before. Um, yes, yeah, so a movement is life, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's poetic answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, good. So, um, we know your work a little bit, <laughs> and since one of our um, subjects that we are working with is darkness. And we were wondering um, in what way or what ways that darkness has been a part of your work. Or your practice. Or your practice, yes. Yes. Work and practice, I actually don't really know how to, to differentiate. Hmm. <laughs> I use this in my practice for, and my work. <laughs> <laughs> But I can maybe start with... Um, I got first introduced into dancing in the dark when I was living in London and a friend invited me to a one hour dancing in the dark called No Lights, No Lycra. <laughs> This is an uh, invention from, I think it got invented in 2009, if I remember right, by two Australian women. And um, they have this concept which they actually sell to different countries or people who set these events up in, in their kind of frame. Mm. Um, and then when I moved in 2015 to Denmark, um, they organized an Earth Hour where every country could switch off the light at the same time and then mm. they could dance to the same playlist at the same time. And I arranged it with Danzalane at this time in the Carlsberg mm. building. Um, I think the first song was The Lion King or something I have to remember. 
And it was such a, it was a really successful event. I remember where a lot of people came and really enjoyed dancing in the dark. And what fascinates me about it, it's that if you were a dancer, you can actually just stop thinking of if you're doing the right moves, the right technique, mm. you can just really feel yourself dancing again and mm. find the motivation again. Maybe you might have lost while doing the, the training or the dancing as work to find your passion again, mm. dancing just crazy on the floor, or jumping in the air or whatever, um, grooving. Um, and then it also invites people who are not connected so much to dance and don't dare maybe to dance in a disco or so um, to to swing <laughs> <laughs> and to feel the rhythm and the joy of actually moving and so it's really yeah no one sees you no one teaches you no one judges you and this mm. is just so so enriching and this I, I I like to do in with my work to actually invite different people to to dance again <laughs> to find the joy in dancing and I mean yeah not judging yeah. this yeah. not judging I, I think it's so important also not judging yourself mm -hmm. um, by doing that and so we call it then switch off and dance and this event then got yeah invited by by different the art of transformation for example it's invited at Danzalan has also invited again to like close encounters it was like a festival um put in free ulstelings beginning and then at Bolltheater it was sometimes so yeah it has been set up sometimes and it also it's just an hour mm -hmm. and this is sometimes also really freeing that you know okay it's just an hour playlist and then i can do whatever after um, you don't need to drink alcohol to be free or to dance. So, yeah. This resonates so much with the, some of the reasons why we are also using darkness. Mm. Like you mentioned, um, freeing yourself, not judging others or yourself, uh, finding passion. Mm. Uh, yeah, just I think darkness is, is this space where the space of transformation as well for me mm -hmm. like it's the transforming the self the inner the outer self so much can happen and yeah i find it it's also a place of imagination and mm -hmm. that's also so freeing for me for mm -hmm. example like i just love to to create i don't know you can set up anything basically in your head and it can become anything and you can become anything and that's sort of like the fun there's so mm -hmm. much fun in that mm -hmm. and also not thinking about technique what you mentioned mm -hmm. you just you don't you don't judge your body uh, because you you don't care mm -hmm. about the way you look and it's all about mm -hmm. the experience the mm -hmm. feeling and mm -hmm. yeah that's a really big part of of why we're using also darkness in mm -hmm. in our practice and so yeah, it's like also this idea of just moving nonstop for an hour. Yes. Well, you, yeah, this is, we, we've had some, some sessions where we just put on the music and then we also decided it's gonna last for this and this long. And then to, you just, your thoughts kind of disappear, right? Mm. You, just, you just move and yeah, you don't think about any troubles and, uh, the, the longer you do it, the more it just, I don't know, there's this, this, yeah, you 
just disappear kind of into the space and but i think it's also the endorphins right mm. who are getting just uh, crazy in your body yeah. <laughs> yeah. um And it's also nice you are not alone actually mm -hmm. doing it in a group, but you're still there on your own. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to connect. Um, you, yeah, which is also nice. I think the only thing is actually first to to get used to the darkness, because sometimes, I mean, darkness can also make uh, tight mm -hmm. uh, if if it's scary in kind of way. So I think for me, it was always important that the people knew they are safe. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything, then I... I would grab them <laughs> or help them out or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Was it completely dark? That you At Bolteedra it was completely dark, yes. Mm. Um, but it's super different or difficult to make a room really dark. Yeah. yeah. Do you see any or do you sense any changes when it's completely dark and when there's a little bit of light and with the feedback that you got from the participants? No, actually, I have not got really feedback on that. Or, yeah, actually, well... If it got too light in the end, because I mean, the the eyes uh, also adapt really fast to the changes. So uh, also if it seems really dark in the start, it gets quite light in the end. Um, yeah. But yeah. that was rather disturbing, I think, when it got too light in the end. Mm -hmm. um, I have yeah. not got any of those feedbacks at Bull Theater because it really is dark. Um, Mm. But yeah. I mean, it's also there's. Uh, it's nice to have a little sense, so not you bump into people. You know, this is like the only. That was always good to know, or if you see, okay, here's the music because there's always a little light from the computer. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, you disappear completely when it's completely dark. Yeah, like, and you can you can imagine being on your own but also imagine that you're with a thousand other people yeah. <laughs> and I think that's that's the beauty of it mm. this space of it can be anything mm. yeah and and just how time time and space basically they just disappear as mm. as the concept that we have created it you know mm. and it it feels for me it feels more like probably real time because it I don't use the our human uh, understanding of time at that point that just disappears it just it can go faster or slower and um, I don't know this whole idea that that it's it's me it's me also me in this darkness makes me always think every single time that it's me in the universe mm. and, and then I can go into different storylines but I always kind of start with that I'm just like in in space and I don't know maybe I start as a human being but I don't end up as a human human being I don't know it's just but it makes me just know that I am I'm a, a single unit in some way, part of a bigger whole. And so this idea of I am alone and I experience this on my own within my my by my consciousness mm -hmm. or something. But at the same time, there's always a sense of connection. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. I don't know. I just always feel connected. Yeah, like the stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Part I, of the universe. It was. It's also a healing power. Mm. Like a lot of people have been using darkness as as a way to treat yourself and to yeah. to retreat mm -hmm. which is also again this thing of noticing you being a part of a bigger a bigger whole mm -hmm. like a part of a of a bigger system yeah and different different kinds of perception yeah also actually i think it's so important for dancers actually also to 
notice their body without their judging yeah. a sense like our eyes do. I went to this uh, blind museum also in, in Hamburg and also in Frankfurt. Dialogue in the dark or so it's called. It's And at first it's really a little, you get a little claustrophobic <laughs> because you don't see anything. You cannot even see your hand in mm -hmm. front of your um, eyes. But then you get a little used to it and it was also funny. You, you completely lose the sense of measuring the space. <laughs> um, that was really interesting being like in a kitchen there. It was like a, in a museum, a dark museum. They asked us how big the kitchen were. And we, the sense was it was much smaller than mm -hmm. it actually yeah. was. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. And we, we mentioned it already a little bit before, right? You're, that you work with political speeches and movement and that now you're also working on a research about how to translate or transform uh, a book into movement. So can you tell us a bit about the approach that you're using? Like... How how do you translate text into movement? And what, yeah, I mean, I know that you must have quite a few questions on your own there, so maybe you can also tell us a bit some of the questions that you encounter and what have you figured out? Yes, so the big question is, I think, how... If I need to make the narrative understandable in a way that it's told in any kind of way or if that can be told by movements as well mm. in any kind of things. The only thing I am afraid of, I don't want the audience to be stupid or to not understand. So this is uh, my little um, challenge in this. Um, or is it important? Is it important or is it also okay to just get a sense of what you see from this book? Like, for example, Pina Bausch with Sacre, you don't need to understand um, the story behind, but you get a really strong sense from the, uh, the imagery, um, how she and the music and also the, the stage design and stuff like this with the earth and then the people and the repetitive of movements. Um, so I was just, I started researching, also asking different people how they work with text and movements. And then I interviewed or discussed a little with Anna Stamp-Müller. She used um, a Greek um, methodology, um, which is called ekphrasis. Hmm. And this is an interpretation of an interpretation as an interpretation of an artwork which hmm. gets interpreted by someone else that makes another interpretation. So we used it like I was reading a text for her and she did a drawing on it. And so from this drawing I did a dance and then she was doing some writing on my dance. And this is also interesting. How does when When does this original artwork loses its origin mm -hmm. <laughs> and does it matter um, so this is an interesting um, methodology I, I would like to use now also on on the book and I also did some scores out of the text I was writing I I did some writing on on the book 
to make it a little more personal also what what is my part in this book why am i interested in this book and from this writing i made a score and wrote all the words that have a movement out mm -hmm. and lined them up and to these words i i made movements and then i used them as an improvisation mm. to play with those movements yeah. while this text got read out um Just can you uh, tell us what's the name of the book and who wrote it? Well, it is um, Mephisto by Klaus Mann. Okay. Yes, maybe this is important. <laughs> so now I'm interested in actually finding out my interest in Mephisto. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the responsible of an artist um, following the passion sometimes making choices not seeing the downside in those choices because of following our passion my passion um, yeah is there a common responsibility mm -hmm. this i'm really interested in yeah and so um in the moment i'm at this state where i think i would like to make different portraits and find out the Mephistos in each of us <laughs> because I do think they believe even though maybe we don't, don't always uh, see them obviously or want to admit them and I don't even see it as something bad um, also referring to the film The Joker mm. actually understanding his choices even though it's so brutal <laughs> and uh, so substantial um, but sympathizing with the enemy, kind of. Um, <laughs> Which might be your own enemy, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And also, I mean, there's a lot of this kind of... Yeah, we, we all have this. Uh, and this also being perfect, mm. it doesn't exist really for me. Mm. Um, so we all have this side, and I think giving this uh, acknowledgement that that it's there, I think we we can better be better people, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. And yeah, so I, I and then I mean I have the term Tanztheater. I I would like to hmm. to use or to question, hmm. but to make collages. I see it. I see it a lot as a, a collage of of things, um, theater and dance, but actually just showing human beings on stage. Mm. Um, the imperfection, the yeah. rawness, uh, the simplicity, using gestures, daily life movements. Yeah, making theater alive. I just want to hook on to the to the translation of word to movement, because that's also Go something that's very um, prominent in what we are doing. And can you just elaborate a little bit on the on what what happens when you when you want to translate uh, a word or a sentence? Um, like what what happens in your mind? I actually try to to think with my body rather than my mind, mm -hmm. because there always comes the first thought. Okay, this is it. But then actually, what what does my body say? Mm -hmm. um, this is. Yeah, sometimes a little more difficult to access, but this is what I'm trying to at least. <laughs> um, for example, what is 
also the word good, a good person, how would you do a good person hmm. with your body? Mm -hmm. um, and this is also different to, to everyone, I think, what yeah. is good. For me, it was something round, in some kind of sense, a round movement. Um, sometimes I go with the first instinct I had, and sometimes I was like, no, this is maybe too thought. Mm. Um, so do you also look at the shape of the, um, of the word in itself, like the written word or the how it sounds? And I think for I think the first thing is my interpretation of it or yeah. my what how do I see it um, but not really how it's written but maybe more which also which direction gives the word um, yeah mm -hmm. I also wanted to um, ask something related to translation and when when we are working with only words translating words from one language to another. A common practice is something called back translation. So when you translate, let's say, from Danish to English, then you have an English text that is, of course, not the original. And if you were to translate the, or the English text back into Danish, you have a third version, right? Oh, so I don't know, have you worked with the idea of back translation, maybe? Um, and maybe that could be something also interesting for you and in your research and also relating it to um, the practice that you did with, um, I don't recall her name now. Anna. Anna. Anna, yes, thank you. Yes, I think, well, this would be interesting to look into because, I, well, I have been struggling a little because this book is in German. Mm -hmm. And most people don't understand German who I work with. Is it important that I need, that they need to know the book that they have, do they need to have read the book? Um, I I will now actually I got a suggestion from Runa um, to download the book as a PDF mm -hmm. uh, transform it into a doc document read it again and cut out all the things that are not uh, important and then have a script from that to just have it as a, as a guidance for my work when I work with movements also in that. So this is the next step I will now do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just meant that also when you're thinking about m like you're having a text and then you're translating the text into movement or into a drawing, as you said, and into something else. Like how, how is it if you go from the latest version and then you have to backtrack it back to the... Yeah, that would be extremely yeah. interesting. Yeah, and then maybe I could also translate related into English and into Danish. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. And we have different languages in this group and the moment maybe it could yeah. be translated in all the movements. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, we're, we're using this practice um, mm. that we are we're translating movement into sounds or into words mainly and then ba into more movements and then we do different rounds and then we sort of kind of how, how do you then if, if I had started with a word and then everybody starts moving to my word, let's say, and then they have to put a word onto their movements, but I also have to put a word onto my movements. Mm -hmm. So I'm basically having a third version of, yeah. Nice. That's, uh, it's interesting what comes out of there. Like what is maybe also finding out about the essence, you know, of yes. something. And that's something yes. that with the cutting and pasting <laughs> and the scripting, figuring out what's actually the essence of what I want to share 
And uh, this is a, a this is a nice way of figuring out what did I omit, what mm -hmm. did I leave out, mm -hmm. and what did I actually put focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's also something Tanz Theater is really interested in, um, like peeling all the unnecessary things off, but going and revealing the essence. Mm. So. <laughs> Thank you for this. That's, um, that's that was two <laughs> thumbs up from Annika. <laughs> okay, uh, going to something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you already talked about um, body and movement, and especially not judging the body and having humans on stage. Um, so and also what this body. Uh, has of heritage, like what is what especially movement heritage is in this body. So can you um, tell us a little bit about why, where does that interest come from of movement heritage and uh, yeah, just maybe also share some important discoveries that you have already found. Yes. Yeah, somatic heritage. I got curious, I think, when I was doing a production with uh, Tansteda Glimt. Um, and it was just based on, yeah, I, I had to find my own uh, movements. And a woman afterwards said or asked if I would be a dancer from Pina Bausch. And I had not had a connection to them. Well, I'm from Germany, but I still I have not taken training there. I have not had taken company classes or any kind of connection. Yeah to them so I was curious well, maybe there's something common in the way I move maybe because I'm German or maybe because I got taught at a school in in Hamburg um, and those were all pioneers this woman Pina Baus Mary Wiegmann and the school I got educated um, at the Erika Klut school she was a former dancer from Mary Wiegmann mm. so maybe there was some kind of connection so I got just curious about maybe it lies somehow in my body without me knowing it um, and then I did a residency in Aarhus um, where we were sharing our dances with each other it uh, it was a project called vintage dance <laughs> where we were reusing dances and teaching dances and then trying to document them with simple technology and yeah there I got also curious about because some dances I had a really easy time learning so they almost l lie in my body I felt mm -hmm. and some I just didn't feel a connection to it took me really really long maybe it's also my background being from <laughs> Rudolf Steiner school like being able to make some um, patterns on the floor while moving the arms and <laughs> singing or whatever um, or also from ballroom having like this um, sense of form mm -hmm. um, I think this is really present while like hip-hop is not so common in my body <laughs> I could feel um, I I have not really um, find such an answer to it I'm more wondering I think in the moment but I do always have some findings mm. or find outs when I feel like okay maybe this lies in our body and I do believe we have like a database yeah. that is mm. our body yeah more than we sometimes are conscious about yeah I mean thinking about our genetic material right how it comes from our parents and grandparents and mm. and so on and so forth so there is something that is 
that is inherited and that yes. we we yeah it's what you say we're not really aware of it but some things feel just easier to us than others and they might be very much linked to that mm -hmm. and um yeah i i totally i totally feel you on that there's also i have the same with sounds for example with music um there's music that comes from different cultures that i am not directly or indirectly related to and yet when i hear them i feel i feel movement in my body I feel that there is a movement that happens in me inside of me that wants to come out of me and I feel very connected to it. And then I've also been wondering, I would like to do some um, some more research into my own genetics, figuring out where do I come from because why am I so strongly reacting to certain sounds and why do I feel that certain movements come more naturally than others? So I was wondering, have you done any sort of biological test on you? Not yet, no, not but it's, yet. I mean, well, my, it's funny, but my family, we are not like dancers or anything. Mm -hmm. And, but then I found out that my cousin, we had not have had contact because our family got a little split, but we were living in the same city. Um, I was doing ballroom and she was doing ballet, but I didn't know that it was <laughs> our dance teacher. He said, yeah, what is about your sister? You know, she <laughs> she's doing ballet and you're doing ballet. I was like, well, also, what sister? <laughs> <laughs> sister? Well, I have a sister, but she's not dancing ballet. So, <laughs> um, so I was really curious. And then when we first met, when I got uh, to my first education, becoming a dance teacher in Hamburg, and I found out that she did the same education 10 years before me. Wow. And then we actually met. And in the moment in, well... We even had the same ballet teacher when I got my education in Leeds and she had the same ballet teacher also 10 years before, but in Austria um, at Seeds. So it, there were two dancers in our family, or they are still are, she's dancing or teaching ballet in Göttingen in my hometown mm. still. And since Corona was, I take her ballet classes via Zoom <laughs> in the moment, which is really, really nice. It's beautiful. Um, mm. But yes, there is somehow mm. uh, genetically, I guess, yeah. something that we choose to, to dance. I think it would be, it, it might be interesting to to look into also like older genetic material that we just can't figure out by tracing our family tree in two or three generations, but mm -hmm. something that stems from much, much further along and also then figuring out why is your body moving more in particular ways with this uh, what you mm. explained right and why doesn't it react or why doesn't it move so smoothly in other versions mm. in other mm. dance forms mm -hmm. yeah have you any have you have any approach or methodologies on that then i would be really <laughs> curious to, to hear no not, not yet. really no we we talk a lot about the the collectiveness and i think it it can maybe tap into this like my grandmother's grandmother, grandmother, grandmother's grandmother is then related to someone that I might uh, see as foreign, but we are we actually we are connected even genetically, very like very far back. Mm. So this this collectiveness and this rhizome network that we also talked about a little bit about, but not not specifically in our own no. uh, like tree. No, at least not yet, but I, I, it's definitely something that we had been discuss 
discussing as well. And um, I don't know. And maybe it will happen more in the future. <laughs> there are some some questions uh, that are still open that we we haven't looked at. So to be seen what happens with that. Yes. But it would be nice to to connect there mm. as well. Share Definitely. share what we know. <laughs> maybe do some genetic yes. <laughs> tests. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. Not? Okay. Um. Here's also another tricky question, right? <laughs> um, well, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. Let's find out. Um, we would like to know if you think that it, if it is possible to preserve movement. <laughs> And if yes, how? Preserve. Mm. When I first think, I, I think of gherkins in a glass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Preserving. I think this, this. Hmm, it's a good question. I do think nowadays almost everything is possible, but if it has still the same sense or there's still the same quality I mean video mm -hmm. is something of trying to preserve something also make also like this vintage dance of trying to capture or hold something is is a way of preserving maybe I guess and then it's I mean the, the living body is all also uh, Can you say canvas? I'm not sure, but it is a. The body preserves so much movements. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if I could preserve your movements. I mean, it's only it's it's personal. Then the one who can. Be the ones. Containing the movements. Um, yeah, it's about the essence, I guess. Hmm. That what what do you want to preserve? And you talked about peeling off. Yes. It's like how do you then preserve the essence of the yeah. movement? Actually, in this research, re now I cannot speak. In this research, I actually discovered myself more again, mm -hmm. which I felt I went away. Um, and I do think also sometimes I have a. For me, it's easier to focus on other people and get inspiration rather than focusing on myself. <laughs> so, there, I guess, is some kind of uh, challenge or restriction and overcoming this. But with using those methods, actually, I felt I came closer again to going to the essence. Mm. To, yeah. Translating words or making a score um, yeah, focusing on the essence, I guess this is, but how to preserve them, I, hmm. I you don't need to have an answer. No, 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 <laughs> I mean, for sure not, but mm. also it, for me, it also relates to what we just talked about, about genetic material, like you preserve, and you also mentioned that you preserve movement in your body, right? Mm. Um, and I would even say that I preserve it also in my mind, not just yes. in my body, so... It's actually the whole of me, 
And maybe that goes even further, that the space also has some sort of history of, of movements. And so space and time, my body, my consciousness. And so it is preserved within me. And that means that I can pass it on if I mm. if I have happened to have a a child for who mm. knows then the part of my as as we talked about the part of my movements live on a part of my preservation but the tricky part is what you said how do you how do you give it to someone else that is not is not related to you right mm. how do you then mm. How is that possible? Is it possible? Yeah. And that was, I think, this approach we had with vintage dance, mm -hmm. that you can actually take a dance and donate a dance. <laughs> um, so you just share something of your movements and other people can learn it uh, by taking it from this technology or these recordings, this mm -hmm. mobile phone app. But I do think also, well, I mean, there were different people having tried to preserve them by also writing them down. Yeah. Lava notation, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not the same, I guess, if you pick it up and read it from there, but you get the sense. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get the essence. He maybe wrote down the essence. Um, yeah. So it could also be in writing. And also, I feel architecture and landscape yeah. mm. um, preserves also the way we are moving and uh, mm -hmm. going through the city or the landscape. Yeah, I yeah, think that, point. I mean... That's also one of the one of the reasons we're using text or words. It's a way to try and preserve the essence of the movement, yeah. the sensation, the experience. Um, but yes, also for our everyday life, not just something that's connected to uh, choreography or dance, but really movement in general. I think that yeah, how how we preserve it, it's it's rather obvious in in the way our buildings are. Are structured and that's why I also felt that the space has a history and that's why there is also adjustments because our the way we move as human beings changes over time and that's why also architecture needs to change and the space outside public spaces and yeah also with technology how we are using spaces again and how our movements then adapt because this is this is not something we used to do <laughs> Also, I'm thinking a lot about opposable thumbs and how <laughs> how we're using them nowadays. I feel, I don't know, um, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if my thumb was moving or was supposed to move in the way that it's moving nowadays, but it has a lot of memory now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much that happened to this thumb. in in And um, yeah, I think that it has so many stories to tell. <laughs> But I yeah. think also, you know, preserving, I always uh, connect actually also to something dead, mm. preserving a body like a mm. mummification or something. Mm -hmm. So it's actually the opposite to the almost the first question she said about uh, what I think about movement. It's all, I think it's almost impossible to preserve something. Well, mummification, yes, it can. But that just um, holds on something dead kind of but inside of it it is just a case which which is the which maybe holds longer time but the uh, it cannot hold the movements mm -hmm. <laughs> it still happens somehow and it transforms right yes. it doesn't it doesn't yes, stay yes. the same no, exactly, so yeah. to preserve you, the first thing you said was you thought about fermentation basically yes. yeah. i mean that means that there is a change yes so mm. 
Yeah, and that's where the translation comes in. Because yeah. we cannot trans, like, I cannot give something I experienced directly to you, at least. I don't know. Maybe in the future that will be possible. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, I don't know. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it has to come through some some kind of translation in order mm. for you to understand it. Mm, yeah. And also, I don't know if you perceive things the same way I perceive it. So it has to go through this mm. process of, uh, <laughs> of fermentation. Of yeah. like some, something has to happen, yeah. and maybe then it's a it's a monument that then then is let's call it dead in itself. But then it can trigger like memories and yeah. movements mm. and mm. yeah. It holds the form. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so I think we have time for a, a last. very last question. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would like you to name the key values of your artistic practice and why these matter both to you as an individual and also to the community. And you can think of whatever community you want. <laughs> My artistic values. I actually got confronted a lot with being an artist or working as an artist or doing art in a time where it's about surviving maybe because of health, because of corona. I sometimes wished I, I would be rather a nurse to actually do something because I felt a little useless being an artist, calling myself an artist. I never dreamed about becoming an artist. <laughs> it somehow happened. But I guess there's something about it. I just remembered then I I got um, a student said once to me that I teach more than just dance. And that was just really beautiful and actually made me continue and made me also remember, okay, maybe I do something more than than just what you say, art. <laughs> it seems so superficial when you call it like that. I, I do think it can more than being superficial. I think actually it can do add essentials to our life. <laughs> And this I think we are we are here for to to make things visible that are not so obvious, give different viewpoints on things. Um, remember people to have feelings. <laughs> um, make them read books while they are at home. Make them see dance pieces or art. Make them aware of their senses. Um, yes, so I therefore I, I I started believing again, <laughs> and I started to dream big. Um, um, and do think that dance can contribute to our society in a way that is important and my values actually also because I come from I have a background that everything has to be perfect ballroom has to be perfect you have to be styled you have to have the right shoes the right dress Um, and there's not this part of failure (laughs) (laughs) then you're just out (laughs) or you're you're not coming further in the round you're competing more important is for me to actually see the the imperfection as something perfect because perfect I feel more is dead um, and not so rich <laughs> so 
So this I want to embrace in my art, actually. Because I see this as the as human. And also as life, again, coming back, uh, the imperfection is the perfection in, 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 a, in a way. Yeah, and this is, I think, my values. Can you say that like that? Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think that's also a nice way to finish, to finish up with uh, allowing ourselves to think about our own imperfections as being part of us and being completely perfect. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, just also Nana and I, we are we are trying to embrace failure as part of the practice. And Annika, we talked about this as well a little bit and that it's not easy. It's not, especially mm. growing up with rules and expectations and uh, judgment where failure is just, it's not accepted most of the time. It's not seen as something part of the process. But every scientist will tell you that they will fail thousands of times before they might find something that is considered as a breakthrough or not failure. And it is celebrated in science. And why not in any part of our education? And why not make this more part of our personal lives? celebrating the imperfection, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, there's a lot of openness coming into yeah. <laughs> being open to it. And actually, what I got once called, yeah, Annika, you were somehow different. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> 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 how terrible. And then this shock uh, disappeared then slowly. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe it's also something good. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a gift that art can actually uh, and I mean, all the changes that happened in the world were because something was different. Mm -hmm. um, A lot yes. of good things came from mistakes. Yeah. And so. failure. Yes. But thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. It was a Very nice to yeah. talk to you. Yeah, that was really nice. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, uh, it's really important, I think, that we get to hear your thoughts as well. They resonate and yet there are also things that we are not maybe thinking about and we might want to think about. So likewise. Yeah. That was <laughs> really nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening everyone. And we wish you a nice day. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>